Welcome to the Marketecture Podcast, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology executives. I'm Ari Paparo. I'm joined today by Mike Hauptman, the CEO of AdLib. Did I do okay with your name? That was perfect, Ari. Thanks. So this may be a little confusing to some of our regular listeners because we interviewed another company called AdLib a couple months ago. I think they had a hyphen in their name and did creative stuff. Are you aware of the other AdLib? I am aware of AdLib with the dash or the hyphen at dashlib.io. Yes. Yeah, the company they were purchased by Smartly. Exactly. A few years back, yeah. So if you want to have a double header, you can watch both AdLib videos in a row. But this time we're talking about AdLib, totally different. Mike, what what is AdLib? Where are you based? How big are you? Give us the basics. Sure. So we're based in New York, but we're pretty distributed. So the engineering team is in London. Co-founder Dan, that's where he's based out of, and he's built out the team under him over there. At this point, starting today, we're actually 13 people. We've grown pretty rapidly over the All past right. six months, called it. We're four people going into June, and then based on some expansion and some some things that happened to the products, which we can get into, we had to build the team out pretty rapidly. Right. And AdLib is, just to make it super simple, self-service, do-it-yourself DSP. That's a super simple version of it, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into a little more depth. So I guess the first question would just be, you know, why does the world need another DSP? How are you different from all the other DSPs out there? Sure. So let's, let's rewind to call it 2016 when I was at MediaMath and Dan was also at MediaMath. We'd been there for a few years and we've been building out teams there. And we saw that most marketers were actually really struggling to access these premium DSPs, super high barriers to entry in the form of annual spend commitments, monthly fee minimums, the platforms themselves, pretty sophisticated and, and require specialized teams to use them. Otherwise, there was another option, you know, you could go to a tier two DSP or managed services. And we saw that that usually left a lot to be desired in terms of just control and inventory quality, even and scale and capabilities. So there's this blank space where marketers really, we, we thought we could bring the benefits and all the scale and quality of a media math type ecosystem to the mid-market. And that's that's where we set out. So we spun out back then, we, start, we started building an easy to access, easy to use version of media math. So we built our own UI on top of it, our own APIs, self-service, instant you know, sign up with no paperwork. You get access and you put in your credit card and away you go. Mm-hmm. And that was really appealing to the mid-sized agency who Historically, you know, they just were left a little bit unsatisfied with the existing options. Right. Yeah. So we've had on the show Centro, and we've also mm-hmm. had Simplify on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So they also have a similar pitch. You know, mid market. You know, relatively easy to use, lots of data. So what's different? Yeah. So what's different now is is, is an evolution of what we were saying was different five six months ago, mm-hmm. where. We, and we don't have our own bidders. I think that's that's one of the biggest things. So okay. we don't have any of our own bidders. What bidder do you use? We were using MediaMath. Right. And then... That had to change pretty abruptly. That had, <laughs> that had to change pretty quickly. So when we were built on top of MediaMath, you know, the conversation was, okay, it's MediaMath. It's all the benefits of MediaMath global scale ecosystem, all the bells and whistles and without any of the risk. And then the kind of the, the investment that you may need to take to, to mm-hmm. get to that class of a DSP. Then we built out a nice business on top of that until we had to start connecting to other DSPs pretty quickly. And the first DSP we actually connected to was Beeswax. Yeah, and Beeswax. then we started connect. Yeah, Beeswax, and then we connected to 
Xander, and then we connected to DV360, and then we connected to AdForm, and then we connected to a few other platforms. And now where we're at is we're more of a meta DSP. And okay. clients can come to us, they have an objective, and it's running on Critio if it's a performance campaign that has, you know, for an e-tail good client. It's running on Beeswax if it's CTV and premium inventory. Maybe it's you know, specialized in NBC or whatever Comcast has. If it needs to run on YouTube, then it can run on YouTube. All in one UI, all in one platform, all in one workflow. We're integrating the report, ingesting the reporting now. So it's a meta DSP, right? It's like that fabled meta DSP that anybody can use. It's really simple. And then the budget just flows based on the objective to the appropriate infrastructure. And you're getting all of okay. the best in class systems without having to sign up for it directly. Is the use case for customers who use multiple DSPs or is the use case for customers who are just too small to access any of those DSPs? It's a little bit of both. So historically, we've been targeting mid-sized agencies who are growing out of some of their existing solutions and they wanted access to more premium. And that's more appealing to them now than ever because now we can do more and some of the the results are better no matter where it's running. We're not going to say, okay, we can't do we're going to lose a head-to-head with Critio, or we can't do mobile app installs really well. Now we can actually service more of that and, and, and have a right to help them win more of that business. And we're also finding that it's a more compelling conversation than ever to holding companies who have the same problem of fragmentation mm-hmm. and have the same problem of different UIs, different workflows, different blind spots. And now conversations with them about how to solve those expenses, like labor costs getting out of control because People are logging into all these different platforms to have a singular view, a single workflow for a trader to learn in a few weeks or in a day versus all these other systems. That's that's now a very interesting conversation that we find we're having with them. Right. But don't you have to dumb things down in order to make it a single UI? You have to make it really easy to use. You have to make it really mm-hmm. simple, which we think we've done. And we started by basically stripping everything down, putting in the bare minimum controls that a user would need. Over time, we've added a few more controls, but yeah, we don't have a concept of line items and we don't have a concept of, sh- of strategies in AdLib. Okay. We do, you just have a campaign, we, a budget, and some creative? Yeah. And you have frequency cap and an impression cap and pacing controls. Do we push through into the other DSPs line items? Yeah. Like we have to, and that's all mapped out. But to the end user, they don't have to do that. But they could do foot traffic, they could do geotargeting, they could yeah. do all of these things. We just simplified it. Dan, who's co-founder, head of technology, he was the head of UI and API at MediaMath before leaving. You know, and I was head of customizing the platform. Like we, I built out the customization team mm-hmm. globally for MediaMath. So you know, we had all these ideas and we had all these exposure to client challenges and had all these thoughts about how to improve it and how to make things more modular. And that's what we set out to, to do, is just make it more modular, make it really, really streamlined and even automate a lot of it. Right. Um, you have to. I mean, so I want to make sure I cover a couple of things that you mentioned. So you said yeah. YouTube access. Is that through DV360 or do you have some some API access to YouTube? DV360 and also through their just, just their regular self-service ad manager also mm. can buy YouTube there. Not as granular. Right. But they don't have an API. They don't have an API. They have a reporting API that you can get back, mm-hmm. but the management pieces are not there. Yeah, and then same question about Critio. Uh, do they have an API? Or are you talking? Are you talking about Commerce Max or about retargeting? Their Commerce Media Platform has a pretty yeah. robust API. Great. 
while the reporting is now coming in and flowing in across mm-hmm. all those platforms, the push pieces, you know, just all reality, we're five months out to building those you know, campaign management pieces. It's going to be mm-hmm. a little, it's going to be quite a while longer until we're fully automated to push everything into, into other platforms. Sure. One thing that's really distinct about your model, and I want to talk about this, is your pricing. So when I launched Beeswax, my point of pride was that we were the first ad tech company in history to have a pr- pricing page on our website. And uh, I noticed you have a pricing page. Yeah. So the congratulations on the transparency. Thanks. Uh, what's interesting about your pricing page is that it doesn't look like an ad tech pricing page. It's like you charge 500 bucks, 499 and you're in. What's the, how, do you, how do you make that work? Yes. Uh, we charge a $500 monthly access fee. And then from there, it works, we say, very similar to Google or Facebook, where you put in a budget, you put in a target, you put in a max bid, and you put an objective, and you have control over all of that. Within that, AdLib is taking a variable fee on the media. So we do take a variable fee. We do, we're transparent about that fact, mm-hmm. um, that we're taking you know, performance-based fee based on the channel. It's going to vary in whatever the market will yield. We found that that alone is just easy to understand. And an advertiser puts in a budget, they put in their objective. And as long as we're delivering against their KPIs and beating their historic benchmarks, that just works for them, right? They don't have to hold out budget. They don't have to think about this added fee. And it just makes it really, really easy for this mid-market to control things. If they want to take out some margin on the, on the front end for their, you know, between what they're doing with their client, they can do that. But we found that you know, just that model is really easy to understand and allows us to keep the business you know, running. So I just want to understand. So it's $500 flat platform fee to open. And then that's not media. So you're just paying $500. And then if I want to run a campaign for like $1,000 on some platform, beeswax, whatever, you're taking a yeah. percentage of that as well. Um, how are you dealing, with, though, with payments on that? Does the customer have to pay that $1,000 for media in advance? And how are you dealing with credit on these small customers? That's exactly how it works. The preferred way of getting started is we put a credit, they put a credit card in, so we're integrated with Stripe. And then mm-hmm. we basically do daily billing for yesterday's spent. Okay. So whatever you billed yesterday, we'll run a, run a Stripe payment for today, and then it moves forward. But we do offer net terms with some clients once we get okay. past meaningful spend because everybody wants to avoid the credit card fees. And I'm sure you pay the SSPs daily too, right? We pay the DMR <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> it's, it's, um, yeah, Media Math was a really solid partner. We got off the ground with them with some helpful terms. But now that we're working you know, across the board, it's been important to get, to get that daily spend. Yeah, so what's the approach with data? Do the customers choose like third-party data, first-party data, tagging, et cetera? And that's also complicated because the tagging for like conversions or first-party data has to correlate to which with which platform they're using. So how do yeah. you handle that whole situation? So we do a bit of onboarding in the front end where we say, just try to understand what they're doing. Are they doing conversions? Are they doing mm-hmm. CTV? And then we'll make specific DSPs available to their seat. And then we'll expose tags from each of those DSPs in the pixel page. So when they go in, mm-hmm. it'll just be, you know, I go to my pixels, I select what it is, and then it has a snippet of one, two, three, four, five different tags. Okay, so it's up to the customer. Yeah, It's up to the customer to kind of like determine which DSPs they want to use or, and not, 
we prescribe them effectively. And what about third-party data? Yeah, and then we're basically pushing through and exposing the audiences that are available in third-party platforms. So it's all whatever mm-hmm. the marketplaces are, whatever the data providers are. We're still working on normalizing them because they're different. And today we're kind of pulling in, just pushing through more the full fire hose of what's there across mm-hmm. third-party data, across contextual data. And the same question about inventory. Like inventory taxonomies are different and granularity is different. And do you just show people whatever each DSP offers? We have one exchange list. And then there's just app lists, site lists that they can select. That's how we've broken it down, the targeting. Got it. So one problem that's happened in the past with sort of self-serve platforms or very low-priced platforms is that it could attract fraudsters and scammers. How much, like, know-your-customer stuff do you do to make sure that they're running good ads? We do a lot of that. You know, obviously, you know, when you're giving this easy access, you have to be careful what's actually going through to the DSPs. So first, everything goes into AdLib, and we do our own scanning. But on the front end, when you sign up for an AdLib account, you also get prompted to schedule a strategy mm-hmm. session with me. And then I'm having a phone call pretty much with most users of the platform to just get a sense of what they're doing and yeah. making sure that it feels like it matches what they're saying they're doing. And then there'll be a little bit of more campaign approval, campaign creative landing page scanning before we turn them on for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then on an ongoing basis, yeah, we we're wrapping tags and all that stuff. When we were newer, it was more of a problem. I think people saw us as newer and maybe saw a new opportunity, kind of a new yeah. weak spot. But since we were pretty heavy-handed with some some actors in, the, in that beginning, I think maybe the, the word is out that we're not really an entry point anymore. Or yeah, we're not you, an entry point you, to be considered. Yeah. You, you don't have, like, gambling startup space in Cyprus, you know, calling it? <laughs> <laughs> Though, yeah, there are definitely red flags. Like, there's a lot of red flags. Like, hey, we're, we're totally illegitimate. When they start off with saying they're totally a legitimate company that definitely doesn't yeah. do any malware, <laughs> malvertising, and there's nothing Never. to worry about, and it's limitless budgets. Limitless budgets. We buy and sell media. We have limitless budgets. Our, yeah, we have offices a, all over, especially London. Yeah. Isn't that, and they're doing, you know... <laughs> Windows targeting or like very just weird targeting that is you, you just know it after a certain, <laughs> after a certain while. Yeah. The more they try to convince you it's not malvertising, the more of a rush they're trying they're in to get a campaign live before a weekend for the first time. That's a branding campaign for H&M in Belgium. Just <laughs> Also, when they there's like one specific exchange they really want to buy and it's a weird one. Yeah, it's like MSN on AdX. I want to reach Opera Browser on, on Windows in yeah. Belgium on AdX. It's exactly. <laughs> All right. But you do allow tags. Like, it's not just plain creatives? Yeah, we allow tags. Uh, we're scanning them. We're integrated with the Media Trust. And then right. you know, we're wrapping them before they go into anything. Right. Got it. Okay, well, let's do our quick kind of lightning round where I'll ask you quick questions. You give me sort of sure. quick answers. What's the one advantage you have over the competition? Still really small and nimble. And we've been doing this a really long time. What's the one reason people don't use your solution? Uh, sometimes we're too small. Um, we're still being, being you know, more, not, not as established. We don't have as much of the proactive, dedicated client support that maybe a larger agency holding company may have. They're a bit more reactive and there for you along the way, but yeah, we're still growing. We're only 13 people. So if you want to look, work with a very large, very well-funded company, you know, we're just, we've been bootstrapped and we've been growing rapidly you know, by being 
more small and nimble. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're you're going for a certain type of customer, right? So you're not going to yeah. get a global a global multinational using your service, probably. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, next question: uh, Why won't walled gardens ultimately crush you? Oh man, I mean, we're pretty resilient. I like to think that we're pretty resilient, and we can find a way to make you know, add value somehow, somewhere. Ultimately, that's like the broadest answer I can give. We don't really see ourselves competing with. Facebook and LinkedIn, like all those walled gardens mm-hmm. that are out there, non-programmatic. And I think to everybody that we're integrated with, as far as the DSPs that we're integrated with, we're helping them increase their total addressable market. Like right, we're a client, we're helping them bring more spend into their platform. So hopefully they view us as yeah. a, you know, they, they continue to view us as a, as a partner and a solid partner in that sense. As a related question, I guess I forgot to ask this earlier. Are you? Do you have technical resale agreements with some of these DSPs? I know like DB360 has resellers that have done very well in the past. Is that the relationship or is it just arm's length? Yeah, we're starting to have some of those conversations. It's been more, hey, like we're a client and mm-hmm. we are getting access to your platform just like any other agency or client would. And then the way our client, our clients interface with us is very similar to an agency, except they're not emailing us campaigns, mm. but they're going into our UI and punching in some, some information. Um, you know, we're pulling data back. So kind of view as, as symbiotic client relationship at this point, we're talking to, you know, with media math, it was more formal. It was, mm-hmm. we were at a reseller agreement and referral agreement in place in certain regions. Uh, we'd love to get there eventually. Got it. Uh, last question. If AdLib was an animal, what animal would it be? Man. <laughs> a bird. Like a hawk, maybe. Just a hawk that's just flying and up there. And I'm looking around and there's a bunch of hawks flying around outside my window. So it's the first thing that came came to mind. Sure. Sounding a little bit like an Always Sunny episode. Hawks. Uh, <laughs> Hawks. <laughs> All right. I should have prepared for that. I should have prepared a little more for that one. At least you didn't say tiger. Everyone says tiger. All right, Mike from AdLib, thank you for being here. Oh, all right. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Um, Looking forward to keeping in touch. Absolutely. Thank you for subscribing to Marketecture. New interviews are added every week at marketecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.